Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. Thank you so much for being in worship with us. It's a joy to be with you wherever you are at. Jesus Christ unites us by his Holy Spirit. We know many of us are experiencing very surprising and new emotions that we've never experienced before. And I want you to know that we're providing several opportunities to kind of come together and help us try to find and um, keep our spiritual equilibrium this week. The first opportunity is this Tuesday. The Wit and Wisdom group will be hosting a counselor, Maisie Robinson, for a free event titled, How Do You Feel and Why? It will happen this Tuesday, August 4th, from noon to 2 p.m. on Zoom. It's a free event, but registration is required. And then next Sunday on August 9th, from 1.30 to 2.30, RPC member and counselor Jeff Luce will be leading a class about how to deal with all of the emotions we've been feeling over the last few months. Both of these events are free, but you do need to register, and you can do that at www.roswellpress.org. We invite you to join us for those. Today is the final installment in our summer sermon series, Walk on the Wild Side. We will follow Jesus as he takes that final journey into Jerusalem. He rides a donkey into Jerusalem. And normally I don't tell you to be like a donkey, but if I did, I would tell you to be like this donkey. So let us read the story from Luke 19 verses 28 through 40. Listen for the word of the Lord. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the, on the road, and as he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher that you might shine your light on this story that seems like it happened a long time ago, but might you speak into our present moment and teach us about how we might know you, how we might be like this donkey. What can we learn from one of your great animals? Lord, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever felt like that little colt, like that little donkey that Jesus rides into Jerusalem? Have you ever been suddenly thrust into a totally new and unprecedented situation? You know the kind of transition. 
when no one asks you for permission, you're just thrown into it. You find yourself uncomfortable, like a, a big weight is on your back. What you're experiencing, no one has seen in your lifetime. And no one even asked your permission. You're just kind of thrown into the deep end. Everyone around you seems to be losing their minds. People are yelling strange words. They're breaking branches and throwing their clothes. People are shouting at the top of their lungs. It's like utter chaos. You have no idea how you got here and really no idea where you're going. Given the past few months, I think all of us can identify with this little colt, with this little donkey in this story. Jesus rides into Jerusalem in what has become known as the triumphal entry. It is one of the advantages of our vantage point in history that we can call it triumphal. But I doubt it felt very triumphal to Jesus. He knows what lays ahead of him. He will confront the powers that be. He will be convicted on trumped up charges. His punishment will be capital punishment. He will experience the torture and cruelty of crucifixion. He will be beaten, mocked, and humiliated. Nevertheless, throughout the entire episode, we see Jesus maintain his grace, offer forgiveness, and show a concern for others. From his vantage point, nothing looks triumphant. We'll have to wait three days for that. But for now, nothing is triumphal. Jesus is simply riding into Jerusalem on a colt. Now, as many of you may know, I love animals. And as I begin to think about this story, I think there's a lot we can learn from this little donkey, this little colt, for our current cultural context. In fact, I think I've observed four takeaways we can learn and take away from this colt as, G, as he carries Jesus into Jerusalem. The first is, the colt has never done this before, and that's okay. In verse 29, it begins, he or Jesus sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. A colt that has never been ridden. Do you know what the seven last words of a dying church are? We've never done it this way before. I've heard an army general once say, if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even less. <laughs> we have to be open to change. And this cult is open to change. You see, a cult is a young, male, uncastrated horse or donkey. I'll let parents explain that. He didn't have a lot of life experience, but he was open to new things. Have you ever thought about the fact that no one in the history of the world has ever lived your life? It's never lived the life you are living. You are singularly unique in all of history. We have to confront the problems and the challenges of the present moment with whatever we have. We are confronted with questions we don't have easy answers to, but we have to strive to do the best we can. We've never gone this way before, and so we have to be open to the future, to step into it and walk by faith. I'm reminded of a profound conversation 
in the novel Jaber Crow by Wendell Berry. It tells the story of Jaber who had been orphaned at the age of 10, but who moves back now to Port Williams to become the town's barber. Jaber demonstrates a profound ability to notice the beauty, but also the, the troubles of life. Before becoming a barber, Jaber had actually been a seminary student. He thought about becoming a pastor. And in seminary, he was trying to discover himself. And one day, he has a conversation with one of his professors. It changes his life and sets him free to live a completely new life that he had never imagined. The professor says to young Jaber, you have been given questions to which you cannot be given answers. You will have to live them out, perhaps a little at a time. Jaber replies, how long is that going to take? The professor says, I don't know, as long as you live, perhaps. Jaber is overwhelmed and says, that could be a long time. Then the wise professor says, I will tell you a further mystery. It may take longer. <laughs> we have to have the courage of a Jaber, a courage of that cult to step into the unknown and do things, ask questions, and change in ways that we never have before. We have to step up to the historical challenges that confront us. And if we're going to do that, we're going to need a unique virtue. You see, this cult, this cult confronts an intimidating and dangerous situation, and yet he walks up that mountain to Jerusalem anyway. This cult shows courage. Courage. Courage is one of the classic cardinal moral virtues, along with justice, temperance, and prudence or practical wisdom. Aristotle says that true virtue sits at the halfway point between two extremes. See, if you have too much courage, you will be rash and reckless. If you have too little courage, you will be cowardly and gutless. See, Jerusalem sits 3,800 feet above sea level. This colt can't rashly sprint up the mountain. He'll never make it to the top. But he can't cowardly shrink back in fear either. He needs to deliberately put one hoof in front of the other, take one step at a time to make his way up that hill. He needs to demonstrate courage in front of all these people taking the Messiah into Jerusalem. You can't think about it too much. Many of us get stuck in the mud of our own self-doubt and our own anxiety and our own nervousness and we never step forward. Courage pushes us through that feeling. One of my favorite stories in Bruce Springsteen's autobiography finds Bruce in his first time visiting London. He arrives at the Hammersmith Odeon Theater and there are signs everywhere around the theater that read in all caps, finally, London is ready for Bruce Springsteen. Bruce shows up and he is livid and he begins running around the theater tearing them down. You see, Bruce wants to come on underneath the radar. He doesn't want to build up the hype. And so that night when he starts the show, he's plagued with an, a feeling of self-consciousness, anxiety, and stress. He's nervous. He has this great line in there. He says that he heard from another front band, a, fr a front man in another band, that the strangest thing you can do on stage is think about what you were doing. I identify with that. But finally, in the show, Bruce finds his equilibrium on stage and powers through the set. 
You can watch a film of the show. It's included on the 30th anniversary Born to Run box set. If you watch the video, you can never tell that Bruce is nervous or experiencing self-doubt at all. Fake it till you make it, I say. It's interesting that Bruce and the E Street Band came back to London and performed at the same venue 10 days later. People that went to both shows said the second show was so much better. That may have been because in the first show they only did three encores and in the second show they did nine encores. But Bruce had found the courage to overcome an intimidating and and scary situation. He, He demonstrated courage in the face of a novel a novel context, a novel situation. We need courage during these times to do what is right, to show compassion, to be ministers of peace, to lead people towards Jesus. We must show courage when facing a novel situation. The third observation is hidden kind of in the subtext of the story. You see, the cult has an important symbolic meaning pointing to who Jesus was. As Luke tells the story, there are several allusions to an Old Testament book, the book of Zechariah. The Israelites in the book of Zechariah are saying, who will come and save us? It's the same question that confronts the Israelites amidst the Roman Empire in the first century. Who will come and save us? And Luke says this, this man, Just as Zechariah prophesied he would come into Jerusalem riding on a colt is the one who will save you. If you turn to Zechariah chapter 9 verses 9 through 10, you will read what one commentator calls the most memorable poetic passages in the entire book, if not all of Scripture. It reads, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. These two verses stand at the center of chapter 9 in Zechariah. He's pointing to how God will fulfill God's purposes in Israel through the Messiah. You see in chapter 9 verses 1 through 8, Zechariah talks about how God will restore the land in Israel. And in the second half of the chapter, verses 11 through 17, talks about how the Messiah will restore the people of Israel. You see, these are the major two uh, features of the covenant that God makes with Abraham in Genesis 12. I will give you land. This is the promised land. And I will make you a great people. You will have many descendants. And then he says, I will bless you so that you can bless others. And now that God's promises seem to be in danger In Zechariah, that great Old Testament book, says that the Messiah will ride into Jerusalem to fulfill these promises. But the Messiah rides not on a horse, rides on a colt. Why? Because a horse is an animal for war and battle. A colt and a donkey is associated with royal processions in the ancient Near East. 
and cults were symbols and animals of humility and peace, not of war. The fact that the Messiah will ride in on a colt points to the fact that he will be a man of peace. By riding in on a colt, Jesus connects the covenant that was made to Abraham, confirmed in Zechariah, and now finds consummation in Jesus. Jesus comes riding on a colt of peace in order to bless us so that we can bless the world. We don't do that by force, by violence, or warmongering, as a horse might symbolize. No, we follow the one who rides a colt, the foal of a donkey, into Jerusalem. We follow the man of peace. Our passage, the fourth observation, ends with a question. The colt plays his part. The question is, will we? The colt willingly goes where he is led. He does not know where he is going, but he follows where Jesus leads him up into Jerusalem. And notice as the crowds and his disciples chant, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the religious leaders object. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. You see, Jesus does not overwhelm our freedom. We are given a real choice. Will we choose to follow him? If we choose to turn back, even the stones will shout out. Jesus does not overpower us. He gently calms, calls us, and welcomes us in. But we have to choose. God will accomplish God's purposes, whether we join God or not. We are invited to join God in that work, but will we step up and say, yes, we're willing to go into uncharted waters? Let me tell you about a few ways that Roswell Presbyterian Church is already joining God in that kind of work. RPC is serving as a food distribution site for Fulton County Schools, for the families in need. We're in need of food. We hope to serve over the next few weeks several hundred families. We are donating 30 backpacks filled with school supplies for elementary kids affiliated with North Fulton Community Charities. We have sent pallets of food to our mission partners in Guatemala to help feed people in dire straits. We continue to support our friends in Kenya and Mexico. We've been going to our neighborhood action ministry communities two times a week to provide hot lunches for senior citizens and lunches for families, and we've been doing that along our Muslim brothers and sisters from Roswell Masjid. We may be like the cult, feeling that we aren't that prepared for this situation. We're not prepared to meet the needs of our world. It seems so overwhelming, but we can do something. I'm reminded of the words of Mother Teresa. We very often cannot do great things but we can do small things with great love. Let's be like that colt, like that donkey. Yes, it is true. You may have never gone this way before. It's okay. There may be dangerous and intimidating waters ahead. It's okay. Take courage. Jesus does not want to overwhelm our freedom, but desires our free participation. The question is, will we remain silent 
Or will we step forward in courage and join him in that work? I would like to close with a poem from G.K. Chesterton, who at the turn of the 20th century was a novelist, a mystery writer, apologist, and public intellectual in England. C.S. Lewis credited reading G.K. Chesterton as being one of the reasons he converted to Christianity. Chesterton was a towering figure who had a great way of both spotting the humorous and ironic moments of life. And after reading the story of the triumphal entry many times, Chesterton wrote a poem called The Donkey. Listen to what he wrote. When fishes flew and forests walked and figs grew upon thorn, some moment when the moon was blood, then surely I was born. With monstrous head and sickening cry and ears like errant wings, the devil's walking parody on all four-footed things. The tattered outlaw of the earth of ancient crooked will, starve, scourge, deride me, I am dumb, I keep my secret still. Fools, for I also had my hour, one far fierce hour and sweet, there was a shout about my ears and palms before my feet. You see, for the first three stanzas, Chesterton lays out the donkey who does not realize who God has created him to be, who God has sent him in the world to be. He was, Chesterton said, he was born when the moon was blood. He had errant wings and was the devil's walking parody. He had a crooked will and was starved and scourged. He must be useless then. Not so, says Chesterton. Just when he thought he was useless, the donkey says, Fools, for I also had my hour. One far fierce hour and sweet, there was a shout about my ears and palms before my feet. Even now, friends, we are being given our one far fierce hour. I don't often tell you to be like a donkey, but today, be like that donkey. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this great example of one of your creatures that even in his humility, in his courage, in doing something for the first time, carrying your son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, into Jerusalem, paved the way for us and show us how we can demonstrate courage to love greatly and to go into uncharted territories. Lord, we know that we go with you. We thank you for your call in our lives and on this community. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.